Okay. Get all the moisture out of my face. Turn into a mummy. What? Oh, boy. <laughs> so I don't sound wet when I talk. Do you, do you not do that? You don't like You'd try to- You'd rather sound dry. Yes. <laughs> Moisturize me. <laughs> mm. That's always like my least favorite Doctor Who poll. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so gross. Previously on Bad Heroes. You guys have just landed in Solsalia. A portal opens over your head and two scrolls fall through. They forged a pact, a treaty, a covenant that held fast while seasons came and went. Cursed beasts lost to hunters and time and with them a change in paradigm. They bare their teeth but do not bite, mythically strong but walk from the fight. Until a violent act, a vicious stunt, blood spills and thus begins the wild hunt. Given that we do not know what we're dealing with yet, perhaps it would be worthwhile to see about what the townsfolk are like. All right. Yes, let's go to the inn. Can I get you something on the house? <sighs> would information be on the house as well? <sighs> Depends on what you're asking. I'm Ephra, by the way. Pleasure to meet you. The forest here has a deeper autumn than the forest around it. And what is in the forest that does have the early fall? Trees, mostly. I wouldn't go poking around in there if I were you. It's far too cold and there's nothing worth finding. You guys walk over to the two people playing a game. How can we help you? I did notice the color change between the two sides. <laughs> yes, it's strange, isn't it? Friend, a word of advice. Sosalia is a nice town. But try not to be too curious. Well, this little town seems to be quite independent, and nobody seems too concerned about any weirdness, except for the fact that they never go in the forest. You guys are all alone in this inn, because everybody <laughs> who was here before, except Ephra and her wife and her kids, are gone. Well, what do they hear from outside the window, Gideon? <laughs> the sounds of unsuccessful tent building. Has anyone seen Gideon? Ah! <laughs> I need help. This investigation is going well. <laughs> Perfect. We have a couple announcements at the top of the order today. One is going to be from Iria's Player. This announcement brought to you by Iria's Player, me, <laughs> formerly known as Liska. You may know me as Liska. However, I recently came out in my personal life and my work life as transmasculine. So my name on the podcast is going to be changing to Rev. So I'm no longer known as Liska. I'm going by Rev. So you might notice some changes with Iria. Voice might be changing a little bit. Other changes might be happening, but they're still going to be the same charming bard that we all know and love. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what's going on. And they're still going to get into probably just so much trouble, oh, which yeah. I think is, is... Probably more trouble, maybe. Oh, no, not more <laughs> trouble. I worked so hard to keep you alive already. <laughs> So that is one of our announcements. And then the other one, Leanne. So the other announcement is really exciting. Bad Heroes has its first official sponsor. What? 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 We got accepted into Roll20's Spotlight program. Yes. Roll20 sounds really official, so I'm really excited. It is really official. So for those of you who don't know, 
Roll20.net is an online virtual tabletop where you can play with your friends and there's dice rollers and you can put your maps in there and put your little characters on the screen. It can keep track of all your stuff. It can stop you from lying about your bad dice rolls. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, Roll20 started this spotlight program to highlight creators of all kinds, uh, streamers, podcasters, and we are now among that esteemed company. Yes! How exciting. That's so exciting. It's very exciting. I have a question. Mm. Does that mean we have to roll with Roll20 now? It does not. Oh, okay. I have very pretty Gideon-specific dice, so I was like, oh, no. (laughs) I'm also very attached to my, like, tangible dice. Same. We are dice goblins. But they did hook us up with a sweet Roll20 Pro account that we can use to maybe play some one-shots on. We could even just use it, like we don't even have to use it for rolling, we could just use it for maps. maps. Like for example, Mm -hmm. for the boss fight, it it might've been really helpful for me to have little, you know, characters that I was moving around the map so you could see like where Oberon is, for example, especially for people who are more visual and maybe have trouble following. That'd be so helpful. I have tried that and it is very, very good. Yeah, so, so maybe that's something that we can start using. You know, I know we're all dice goblins. We love our dice. I am a dice goblin, so we might roll manually, but I think using the little maps might be helpful. So that's something we'll probably start implementing just to help you guys visualize it. Um, But yeah, it's very exciting. How cool. I know. And thank you to Roll20 for sponsoring us. We're very excited. You the best. (laughs) You the best. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Rev made dinner for the crock pot today and my eyes keep watering because they cut 10,000 onions. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Same. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Me too. <laughs> We're all I, crying. I'm, like, I'm recording right next to the kitchen. So oh, I know. Sorry, guys. We're all leaking casually. It's okay. I was wondering why my eyes were watering. Now I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. He's coming from inside the house. <laughs> uh. Wait, oh, he's he's wait, he's talking. Wait. No, oh boy! I take it all back. Delete my whole everything that I've said with my. What voice. I was insinuating was that it was so strong I could smell it all the way up here, but yep. you had to go yep. over there. You made it. You, you just had to get us that mature tag. Huh? To be fair, I had a slip of the tongue, and y'all made it nasty, and that's not my fault. A slip of the tongue. I see what uh, this recording is going to be like today. Yep. <laughs> all right, I'm done with this. I'm doing the narrative intro. Buckle right, in, let's please. go. Uria, you return your glass to the bar and leave a gracious tip. You wish Ephra and her wife a good evening and head to sleep. In your charming room, you curl up on the floor next to the small hearth, a sleepy cat full of warm milk, and settle into a deep, dreamless sleep. No treetop homes or feline faces grace your mind tonight, but they are, as they always are, present in your heart. Riva, you slip in after Iria and find the bed unoccupied. Kicking off your dusty boots, you sprawl across it, knife in hand. You clutch that blade firmly while you dream of shadowed figures and great horrors, and wake sometime in the night with thoughts of a debt left unpaid. Tonwer, you use trackless step to leave the beaten path and perch in a maple tree on the east side of the river, the very tip of its crown tinged with orange and its body a verdant green. You face west and sleep lightly, listening and watching. Rulthuin perches in a nearby birch, watching the road between Sosalia and the forest carefully. 
but all is quiet. Gideon, you build your tent halfway up outside the inn, and, with drooping fabric kissing the top of your head, settle in to read all you can about temperate deciduous forests. You learn about their leaf-shedding trees, their weather, never too hot or too cold, and their fertile soil. You identify the forest you're in as a broad-leafed forest, made of oak, maple, and elm. You read deep into the night and find this sliver of the world, so different from your home, fascinating. And downstairs in the Covenant Inn, Ephra picks up Iria's tip, one gold coin, an impossibly rich gift, and bites it. It's real. And she exchanges a long look with her wife, Drew. Because these are no ordinary travelers. They are up to something. You four wake with the dawn, and with it comes the realization that you have one night until the full moon. So, what do you do? RPG adventure. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) That means that this family now has two gold coins. Yes, you've you've you have destroyed the economy. <laughs> you have thoroughly trashed this economy because their like eight year old son has a, you just gave a hundred dollars to their eight year old son or more than a hundred dollars. That's how we do. You're welcome. <laughs> also, you guys have been highly, highly suspicious. Well, mission accomplished, guys. I didn't do anything. I just made a tent. Just having gold coins is highly suspicious. <laughs> By the way, when I do these intros and outros, I just FYI, I collaborate with the players. I would never tell you goobers what your characters do. <laughs> that would be breaking the GM code. <laughs> Plus, the absolute last thing I want is to control four more people. <laughs> you <laughs> never give us any say in our characters. No, yeah, I didn't want to drink that milk. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise, you're drinking it. You'll drink it and you'll like it. <laughs> So to recap, we rolled into town at night, started flinging around money, asking a lot of really weird questions, and here we are. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Have we all, like, met up outside the inn or some some common place? Yeah. Yeah, let's say that you guys are all gathered. Would you like to be outside the inn, inside the inn? Where do you guys want to? You can hang out in my tent. Yes. We've all gathered around Gideon's tent. <laughs> You're all in Gideon's tent. And Tonra and Gideon, the tent is touching the tops of your heads. And then you, shorter people, are are not being touched by the tent. So it's a little less unpleasant. Erie actually is loving this. <laughs> when Reva first walked in, she tried to lean against one of the tent poles, but it almost collapses. <laughs> Gideon says, oh, that's that's not, um, I, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Uh, What's our weather looking like outside? A little cool, a little crisp, but I would say beautiful. It's very, it's like what we would call sweater weather, you know? Aw. It's cozy. As I was walking back toward the inn, did I see any of the townsfolk up and about? Yeah, I think by dawn, um, all the people who work the farms are up and at their business. Um, There's somebody plowing the fields with a couple of horses. You actually see, <laughs> you actually see Ivan riding bareback on a horse <laughs> that you're pretty positive he didn't have, and he's shouting 
in absolute joy. And you can see Drew, who's Ephra's wife, like chasing him around, <laughs> just like, oh, my God, my my son is going to fall off of this horse that he's bought using money that he stole. <laughs> yeah, that's what you see. You see you see what looks like normal bustle. You know, people going about their day. Okay. Toner is going to be keeping an eye out for Aelin. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, he's he's in the tent. His hood is up, so he's got hair, hood, tent. That's what's on top of him right now. <laughs> like a cool bun? I'm wearing a tent bun. <laughs> okay. All right. So you got your little bun on top, and then you got your hood, and then you got the tent. Love it. Yeah, okay. sure. Um, I guess the first thing he's going to do is look over at Gideon and say, well, how long will this take to pack? I don't know. Do you know how to dissemble a tent? I don't use tents. Wonderful. <laughs> he looks around to the others. Do any of you use tents? Didn't we use a tent before? You did, but Wingatha put it up and down. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I remember that tent, and I didn't pay enough attention, apparently. Iria says, I'm sure we can figure this out, and starts picking up the poles and... While, while we're all inside? <laughs> while everyone is inside, yes. Good. <laughs> to be fair, because Gideon didn't know how to put this thing together, there are probably random spare poles just <laughs> <laughs> lying around. Perfect. Iria, roll a d20. <laughs> oh my. The first roll of 2021. 18. 18? Yeah. Okay. You remove a pole and... Weirdly, it seems like that pole was actually making the construction worse. <laughs> you remove that pole and the tent actually pops up a little better. Riva <laughs> looks at Iria and says, hey, keep doing that. <laughs> Gideon looks up and goes, fascinating. <laughs> Tonmer is going to see all of this and he's going to slowly back out of the tent. <laughs> Gideon is going to leave the tent deconstruction to <laughs> the cat. And steps outside to talk with Tonria about what she's read. Okay. Do you take down the tent, Iria? Is Riva still in it? Riva will leave the tent. Oh, hold on. Is Iria deconstructing the tent from inside? <laughs> it certainly seems that way. At this moment, Iria is taking care of what is inside the tent that has been, like, it wasn't used, but probably should have been used. And then is going to go outside the tent after everyone leaves to start deconstructing it. So Riva's just going to basically watch Iria do this and then follow the cat when she goes outside and strike up a conversation with her. Okay. So we got two conversations going. We got Gideon and Tonmer and we have Riva and Iria. And Iria's like struggling to deconstruct this tent while Riva is trying to talk to her. <laughs> Tonmer looks over to Gideon. Based on what you told me in the intro with Gideon basically learning about just general temperate deciduous forests. Mm -hmm. This is obviously similar, but not that because it's always fall, right? So from what you've heard from the villagers, it's not that it's always fall. It's that the fall is more intense. It seems to be colder in the woods than it is outside the woods. That's what you've learned. Oh, okay. So it's not always fall. It's just fall right now. And it's having a much more intense fall than the forest around it. So yeah, Gideon's just going to approach Tondra and say, I've been doing some reading uh, about forests like these. And obviously we're somewhere outside of the norm here, but I I can't make heads or tails of what this means. None of, none of the facts inside of this book are adding up to what we're seeing in front of us. 
Tonrair casts a sidelong glance toward just more of the forest in general further down the road. And he says, it too conflicts with what I know about how forests like these work. Something is definitely amiss. And perhaps once we find that, we'll also find what we're looking for. But who knows? And just to be clear with you guys, like, Antonio, you know this, like the red part of this forest, it, it is a perfect example of a temperate deciduous forest. It's just colder. It's just inexplicably colder. And so the strange thing is, is not that the forest is behaving strangely. It's that it's cold and you have no clue why. It seems to be following like a totally different temperature panel, almost as if like someone put a little dome over it and changed the climate, if that makes any sense. Yeah. So then how cold would you say it is? Uh, in human degrees? <laughs> is there it's like other animal degrees? No, in dragon degrees. <laughs> it's like 40 degrees. 40 degrees Kelvin. Kelvin, <laughs> yes. It's, get, it's getting down towards freezing. It's not freezing, but you can see that the leaves are starting to fall off the trees and all that. And then outside that, it's nice and balmy. It's, you know, nice in the in the no, no leaves change. I don't know at what degree exactly leaves change color. <laughs> I guess I should have looked that up, but it's not that cold everywhere else. So it's like 60s. Yes, thank you. Right now. I probably would have noticed a difference crossing the bridge to come back over, right? Yeah, yeah, I think okay. so. Yeah, so I'll just relay that info as well and say that I decided to rest across the river last night. I perched in a tree just to see if anything stuck out, but that was not the case. And one thing I didn't know is that as I left, it became warmer. And as I came across the river, it became cool once again. There is something here. We need to find it. All right, let's see what Riva and Iria are chatting about. So Riva's watching Iria take apart this tent, and she says, so you're a performer, right? Yeah, yeah, I do a little bit of performing here and there. You're pretty good at that uh, drum thing? And she looks at the hang drum on her belt. Oh, my hang drum? This hang drum has basically been bound to me since I was a young kid. Yeah, so I'm you know, pretty proficient with it. Riva leans in a little closer and she lowers her voice so that no one else can hear but Iria. And she says, do you, uh, you know how to do like that thing that some people do where you make a sound appear that isn't really there? I'm, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> like one time I was at this bar, right? Mm -hmm. And there was this bard there and... He had this whole trick, like he had this whole act where he was like making sounds appear behind people and then they turned around and there was nothing there. And he was like, ha ha, I gotcha. <laughs> what a charming, a charming fella. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a, um, a spell I do called ghost sound. It's pretty cool. I made the sound of the sun. It's a different sound than what you would have guessed. But yes, I do have that. Riva looks baffled at that, but she presses on. <laughs> and she claps Iria on the shoulder and she's like, okay, perfect, perfect, great. I have an idea for later today, but I'm going to need your help for it. Are you down for that? I'm intrigued. Tell me more. Well, if I tell you, it'll ruin the surprise. I hate that. <laughs> Who says that? <laughs> Nothing ever good comes from that sentence. <laughs> 
All right, let's pan back over to uh, to Gideon and Tonrir. <laughs> The camera pans from Iria's horrified face over to, to Gideon and Tonra. All that Gideon would have been saying in that time is just that she didn't, she wouldn't have noticed the temperature changing much because it didn't actually get down to a point where it would have registered as anything. It wasn't cold enough for her to really register that it was colder than usual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking you're probably, as like an ice elf, you're probably very comfortable sleeping in a tent outside. Yeah. Even when it gets down to below freezing at night, that's fine for you. Well, if anything, maybe it'll be an idea to window shop around town before we venture further into the forest just to see what wares are being offered by the locals. If there's anything that I've learned over the years, it's that if you want to know the culture, see what they're offering for sale. Okay. I think the tent is put back together and you guys all stand ready. You guys, your bags are all packed. You guys are ready to move on with whatever you're about to do next. You guys have that map. So you guys just tell me where you want to go, who you want to talk to, what you do. The woods, as far as you guys can tell, are unguarded. uh, And there are several shops open in town. Reva wants to go to the very good blacksmith. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Iria, are you going with her? Yeah, Iria, Iria wants to go. As as they're leaving, Iria kind of gives Riva a weird sidelong glance. Like, I don't know what you're up to, but curiosity has definitely taken over for Iria. So she's just <laughs> going to stick with Riva for now. Okay, perfect. So the very the very good blacksmith is the closest building to the Covenant Inn. Should we split up to look around town or stay together? I mean, up to you. I think we want to go to the very good blacksmith. So if you want to go there. I want to go to the apothecary. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a ten out of ten response though. That was that was good. Uh, Tomer is actually going to nod and say, "The apothecary seems like actually a very good start. I think I will join you." All righty, well, splitting up, splitting the party. Yeah, you're literally splitting the party. What could go wrong? I'm very quickly looking up a list of what would be in an apothecary. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so who wants to go first? Iria and Riva? They'll probably reach yeah. their destination first. Okay. So it's early in the morning. You guys walk down this dirt road, and the first building you see on your right is labeled on a wooden swinging sign, Very Good Blacksmith. And you see a human man with a bushy mustache and a round belly fast asleep on a rocking chair between an unlit forge and a well-used anvil. And he has a hammer in his lap. Before they go in, Riva stops Iria from going in and says, now, just just play along, okay? Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. He's up on like a, like a big porch, kind of Skyrim style. You have a forge that's outside and an anvil that's outside. And then next to that is kind of a modest little building. And when you peer into it, you can see... A good number of objects. Um, It doesn't look like he makes weapons very often. It mostly looks like tools. And then up on the actual, like, platform that he's on and where his forge is, you see a lot of farming equipment lying around in various stages of production. You see a couple, like, long-handled scythes, some shovels, and a wheeled plow with a broken axle. Okay. So Riva approaches the man asleep in the rocking chair, and she says... <laughs> oh my god, cute. <laughs> she leans over him a little bit just to like 
<laughs> oh, hey. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Very Good Blacksmiths. What can I do for you? I'm sorry to bother you at this early hour, but my associate and I are in town because we, and she leans in a little bit closer and drops her voice, are paranormal investigators. And Iria's eyes go really <laughs> wide. <laughs> He rubs his temples and he says, that sounds like bullshit. No offense, but I think your job is pretend. I understand. I get that a lot, but I have terrible news. <sighs> oh, God. I, I have, Okay. Now, listen. I don't see why people always want to talk a lot of shit. Okay? I'm a blacksmith, and I've had a lot of practice, so I'm a very good blacksmith. Do you need something from me or not? Yes. And she looks around, and she looks through the door that goes into the blacksmith's building. Mm -hmm. And she sort of snaps her head up, and her eyes go a little bit blank. Oh, no. And then she turns and walks through the door into the building. Aria goes up to the guy and is like, I am so sorry. I think, uh, I think she might have knocked a few back in the inn before we went out today. <laughs> Okay, he gets up and comes after you, and he follows you into his into his shop. What you doing? So Riva is standing in the middle of the shop, and she's turning around in a circle very slowly, and she's muttering under her breath. That's very creepy. Iria, Iria is like behind the guy and just like has her hand on her forehead, just like, oh my god, <laughs> who am I with right now? Uh huh, <laughs> and she's she's muttering. He does not know what to do with that. He very slowly like reaches out and grabs one of the sides and then just holds it. One of the sides. Sides for like cutting wheat, <laughs> except it's also. A blade. So he very slowly reaches out, grabs it, and then just holds it watching you. <laughs> and he leans into Eerie and he's like, she always like this? Or... You know, to be honest, I don't even know this person. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just came here for a dagger. Riva is groaning internally because this is not... Without taking his eyes off of Riva, he reaches over, like feels for it, finds a dagger, holds it out to Iria, smacks it down into her hand and says, five silver. <laughs> Iria fishes around and gets out five silver and then like just takes a step back. Uh, doesn't want to leave Riva just yet, but also doesn't want to be associated. <laughs> so she's not going to leave, but she's going to step back so that she's still in range in watching, but not like she's a part of what's going on. Okay. Riva snaps out of it, like she's coming out of a trance, and she goes, aha! And she looks over at <laughs> the blacksmith, and she says, I found it. And she rushes over to the blacksmith and Iria, and like kind of throws Iria a dirty look, <laughs> but then turns her attention back to the blacksmith and says, so... I have good news and I have bad news. What do you want first? I don't suppose you leave in my shop is an option. <laughs> I don't think you actually want me to do that. Roll charisma. Okay. <laughs> or or 
Actually, roll bluff. All right. Iria is going to see Riva's dirty look and just kind of give her a smirk. So she's acting like she doesn't want any part of this, but she's got tricks up her sleeve kind of look. Okay. All righty. This is very classically you guys. I rolled 12 plus 10 is 22. Okay. That was all very horrifying. And he's a little horrified. And there's a, he's just, you have scared this man who was asleep. <laughs> You've scared this poor sleeping man. A very rude awakening. Yes. I'm afraid. So she, she leans in closer to the blacksmith and says, now, I don't mean to alarm you, but. You have alarmed me. You have alarmed me. I am alarmed. Yes. Hello. I'm alarmed. <laughs> we have been tracking a, how do I put this? Now, have you heard of a place called the Shadow Plane? He just shakes his head no. So there is this place that runs parallel to this world that we're all in, you know, the things that you can see and touch and smell and hear. And there's this other place that is much, much worse, a lot of bad things in there. And we've been tracking a weakness in the barrier between these two worlds. And I'm afraid that that weakness is here in this town. And in fact, oh God. in this very shop. Oh <laughs> is that what the blacksmith said? He looks at you with just saucer eyes, just in horror. She suddenly like whips around and then she, she shouts, look out. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. His deck saving throw is a 20. Okay. What does he do? I, he jumps behind you. This huge, <laughs> this huge lumbering man leaps mouse-like behind you and grabs your shoulders and stands behind you with his, his big eyes peering over your shoulder. And she throws up her hands as if to defend against something and is going to cast Silent Image. Okay. All right. What is your... Oh, no. Silent image creates a visual figment of up to five 10-foot cubes, and it creates the illusion of an object, creature, or force. And what everybody in this room sees is a tear in reality, just sort of appearing in the middle of the room. Mm-hmm. Okay. And through it, sort of like crawling through this tear are just enormous tentacles. Oh, I hate that. Okay. All right. He hates that too, by the way. This man has begun to shake. She looks over at Iria and winks. Iria casts ghost sound, and the sound that everyone hears is tentacles coming through a tear in the fabric of space and time. <laughs> Just sort of the things that nightmares are made of. It's, it's kind of like this. <laughs> well, I thought that was the sound of the sun. Yeah. <laughs> It's really weird how similar they are. A lot of people don't know this, but the sounds of tentacles reaching through space and time is actually very similar to the sound the sun makes. Facts you didn't know. This is Dre Silvertooth, the GM of Bad Heroes, and thank you for listening to episode 27, part two of The Wild Hunt. First, I want to thank our brand new patron, Chris. 
Hey, Chris, I love you. (laughs) Chris is my dad. (laughs) Thank you so much for supporting us and what we're doing. It means the world to us. You are the best. Speaking of gestures that mean the world to us, patron and longtime friend of the show, Jess, upped their patronage and took us over our very auspicious goal of $100 a month, which means we can finally afford to remaster the old episodes. I am honestly so excited about this because when we started the show, we did not understand soundproofing. Now we can afford software to atone for our sins, and Leanne and I are so damn hype about it. Picture it, my friends. Episode one sounding crisp. I'm so excited. Thank you very, very much, Jess. If you want to join Chris and Jess in supporting your favorite bad heroes, you can do so at patreon.com slash bad heroes. There's some extra incentive to do so this month as we launch some fun new Patreon goals. The first goal, and this prize is a gift to us and to you, it's a Discord server and game nights for patrons! I am honestly really excited about that one because that means that if you support us on Patreon, even at $2 a month, and you want to hang out monthly with the cast and crew, we get to meet you. No pressure, of course, if game night isn't your speed. We will also set up some channels on the Discord for people who want to participate in talking and stuff like that via text instead. So, many fun ways to interact with us if that is your jam. Or, you are welcome to just lurk and see the inevitable memes as they roll in. We've also got stickers and merch cooking that will be awarded to patrons if we reach our goals too. For more information, because by the time this comes out, we'll have it all figured out, please go to patreon.com slash badheroes or to our Twitter at badheroescast. One speedy housekeeping note, we are moving episode release days to the first and third Friday of the month so that we can put a little pep in the start of your weekend. Pep or screaming, I guess, depending on how the episode goes. And now I have a promo from another show, Ballad of the Seven Dice, to present to you. Buckle in, friends, for a taste of another excellent adventure. Doran's armies marched upon the world. People from all over, different planets, different realms, joined the fight to stop the corrupted from taking the forgotten realms. Gods, demons, celestials, all joined forces, helping to stop the spread of the Far Realms, But it was too much, it was too strong. And now our heroes, our brave five heroes, are barely holding the line. Join us at BoundOfTheSevenDice.com so that this tale will not be forgotten, so we will know how to hold back the creatures of the Far Realms before it's too late. And that was Ballad of the Seven Dice. Thank you one more time to Roll20 for having us in their Spotlight program. We are delighted to be included. And that's all for now, friends. I hope I'll see you when the next episode comes out on Friday, January 22nd. See you then. legitimately surprised that area didn't audibly go oh i get it (laughs) (laughs) okay so i'm going to roll a will saving throw for this this poor man and i'm gonna roll this for this whole sort of deal because your bluff check reva was good you know everybody knows that there are other 
parallel universes in this sort of realm, right? There's a material plane, but there's also other planes. Everybody believes, he probably believes that there is a shadow plane. Whether he believes it just ripped its way into his living room is a totally different thing. So I'm going to roll a will saving throw for this dude. Okay, well, he rolled a 10. I don't think that's going to do it. Mm -mm. So he believes you. There are... (laughs) There are tentacles in his living room, and he is very concerned about it, and he screams. A horrible, loud, giant <laughs> scream, actually, that's shockingly high-pitched. Reva, Reva shouts, <laughs> now, now. <laughs> <laughs> Try to remain calm. Iria <laughs> also screams, because that scream is scary. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and Riva <laughs> shouts some sort of incantation at the tentacles, and with a snap, they retract into the tear, and the tear repairs itself and disappears. This poor man. This is... Okay. You're just terrified that we just traumatized this very good blacksmith. <laughs> you did. You did. The next, like, 500 things he's going to make are going to accidentally look like tentacles, and he's going <laughs> to... Oh, oh, my God. Okay. So you frightened this man, and I think he stares at where it was, slowly walks backward, and slumps into a chair that you assume he made, and it's a very nice chair. Now what? Don't you mean it's a very good chair? It's a very good chair. (laughs) (laughs) Are there any, like, towels or handcloths just, like, lying around? Sure, yeah. They might have, like, polish on them. (laughs) Riva um, picks up a cloth off of a counter and hands it to the blacksmith so he can wipe the sweat off of his face he wipes his face and he wipes like some some stain onto his forehead on accident so he has these streaks of like brown (laughs) and she says i'm so sorry you had to see that your town i'm afraid is in grave danger and we need to call an emergency meeting can you help me with that (sighs) i think he takes a deep breath and he reaches out very slowly and grabs another scythe so he's got a scythe in each hand And he just breathes deeply for a moment, and then he goes, yeah, yeah, I can call a town meeting. I shouldn't be surprised. This is a weird place, a real weird place. (laughs) And he gets up and walks like a very large circle around you, and then a very large circle around you. Like like not circling you, but like avoiding you (laughs) on his way out. And then stands at the front door, and he says, well, you, you do have to get out. This is my shop. Come on. Oh, right, of course. <laughs> and Reva leaves. Yeah, Iria follows. <laughs> okay, so he locks the door. You have conned this poor man both into a traumatizing event, but also into calling a town meeting. I see. So that, okay, all right. So that's going to happen. <laughs> that will <laughs> that will take a minute. So he, I think he wanders off and he actually walks towards the Covenant Inn. And all you guys have to do is wait. And that that will happen shortly. Uh, Iria turns to Riva after he leaves and is like, what the fuck did you just make us do? You just terrified this poor man. And now we're definitely suspicious. Come on. We were suspicious from the moment we showed up here. That doesn't mean we have to confirm things. Please tell me there was some like good purpose for that. So here's what I was thinking. We weren't getting anywhere at the inn every time... We asked about anything to do with that forest or about odd things happening. 
People were just clamming up. So the only way to get people to cooperate in situations like this is to make them more afraid of something else. (laughs) I don't know if I agree with you on that, but it's done. So I love it. This is an extremely good con. I see where you're going with this. Let's pan over to Tonvir and Gideon. I guess my first question is, did I hear the scream? (laughs) (laughs) I like to think that as you guys were walking down the path, you know, towards Sanguine Silvis, I think that like after a couple minutes, as you guys are nearing the apothecary, behind you, you hear this poor man scream. Yes. Tonrare is going to look over to Gideon, raise an eyebrow, and then remember, oh yeah, the other two went that way, didn't they? (laughs) Yes, I'm sure there's nothing for us to be concerned about. (laughs) You're probably right. And then he keeps walking. (laughs) Cool, cool, cool. Boy, I am not sure of that at all. (laughs) All right, so. (laughs) Oh, God. All right. So you guys eventually arrive at the building that is nearest to Sanguine Silvis. You arrive at the building that is deepest towards the woods. It's actually like right beyond this building is where the dirt path wears away into more of a game trail heading into the woods that are so bright in the throes of autumn. So it is the very furthest building. It's actually kind of like set a little ways away from town. And as you approach it, you start to understand why. This building, it's actually really interesting looking. It has moss all over the walls and also all over the roof. And as you approach it, It smells very weird. I mean, it smells like taxidermy. It also (laughs) smells like a lot of poultices. It smells smells like a million herbs all went in there and threw up (laughs) is what it smells like. So as you approach, you guys are hit by like almost a visible stink. And you guys look upon this very interesting building and you see a big window. And through this window, you see an assortment of poultices and tinctures, uh, as well as animals in various states of taxidermy. And through the window, you also see two people. Um, You see a sign that says this is Nettle's Apothecary, and you see someone behind the counter that you assume is Nettle. And then next to Nettle, you also see that same figure from the Covenant Inn that is clothed head to toe, who has this sort of shape of an old lady. So behind the counter, you see Nettle, and Nettle is a gnome. And Nettle's skin, as well as hair, is this sort of vivid, bright green Nettle has like smears of just like color, but you can assume it's probably herbs that Nettle has been working with. And she just kind of looks a mess. She has big Professor Sprout from Harry Potter energy, just like covered in dirt. So that is what you guys see. Okay. We stepped in and we saw both of them, right? We saw Nettle and then we saw the other person that was cloaked head to toe. Yep. And as soon as you walk in, that person who was cloaked head to toe drops a coin on the counter and leaves. Like pushes past us. She comes next to the door, and you hear, Excuse me. Tonrare is going to attempt to ascertain the scent of that person that Ooh. just walked past. Mm-hmm. I don't know what to make you roll. Perception, right? Yeah, I guess perception, because that's a sensory thing, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, 18. Okay. You sort of give this person a subtle sniff <laughs> as she is near you, <laughs> as one is wont to do. And you you smell it smells like smells like uh, pennies it smells like blood this person smells like blood okay I'm committing that to memory okay um, and then follow 
um, Gideon then. If you guys are cool with it, this person slides past you and it goes outside. Yeah, I wanted to, I, I rolled for perception to see if I could notice Tonmir sniffing this person. <laughs> and I got 14 plus 8. Yeah, you see, you see the sniffings happening. <laughs> Very subtle sniffing. Mm-hmm. Okay. You see his nostrils like flare and then relax. <laughs> and then you probably see him pull like a slight face because blood doesn't smell good to most people. Right. Yeah. Okay. Then as we carry further into the shop, Gideon's going to lean over kind of slightly to Tonmir and to say, did you catch anything from her? Blood. Mm. You guys, if you look outside as she leaves, you see her actually shuffle her way into a small, what looks like a cottage that's nearby. And she goes inside and closes the door. And you can assume it's probably her home. Okay. Gideon's going to peruse the shelves. Did you say that there was going to be a list of what? I have a list for you guys. And everything in the minor category is here. I'm assuming Gideon's browsing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. is going to pull back his hood and nod to the shopkeep and say good morning. Greetings, friend. Aw. <laughs> Tomer looks about the shop and uh, assesses the the taxidermy. Is there anything in the taxidermy that is sticking out in terms of not being local? Hmm, not being local. I think you actually see on the far wall put up among the moss, you see a collection of taxidermied butterflies. Hmm. They're not local. They look like they're actually from all over the world. And then you also see a collection of birds, taxidermied birds that look like they're also from all over the world. And then you see what you would consider local animals to a temperate deciduous forest. I think there's like a white-tailed deer that's in the process of being taxidermied. There's some woodpeckers. I think there's like some frogs, that kind of thing. Gotcha. Uh, Tonrir is uh, making a very apparent appraisal of everything that's in the shop in terms of taxidermy. and says, do you have these brought here or have you collected these around the world? I trade for them. Well, the ones that aren't from here. Yeah, I trade from. Do you have some? Tonru shakes his head and says, no. Oh. oh, okay. All right. I do travel the world and make a point of noting the nature that's around. And I was mildly impressed to see all of this. And then at that question, he kind of perks an eyebrow and says, are you looking for something in particular? Yes. Yes, I am. Now that you ask, let me, let me show you. Let me show you. And I think that Nettle jumps down, like jumps over the counter onto the ground and then scampers over and shows you a handful of places where there are butterflies missing from her collection. And they have little labels and spots, but she doesn't have them yet. But yeah, she seems to be missing four very important butterflies. Okay. Uh, Tom Rear nods and makes a, a note of it. Does a second look around the shop. Are any of the taxidermied animals canine? Canine. No, I don't think there is. I don't think there's a single canine in here. Yeah, the biggest thing in there is definitely the white-tailed deer. Okay. Tom Rear makes a note of that and says, well, obviously it's not possible to collect every type of animal, although it seems you've certainly got an ambitious start. And he looks toward Nettle and says, uh, have you decided to add any wolves from around the world to your collection? I think when you say the word wolf, Nettle immediately looks uncomfortable. Okay. And when you say wolf, Nettle clamors back over the counter and stands on her stool on the other side and says, uh, no, no wolves around here. 
what can I do for you? I own the apothecary, uh, sort of the village healer, remedy keeper, surgeon, and if need be, mortician. So can I help you with that? At this point, Gideon has gathered a couple bottles and heads towards the counter. Okay. What you getting? Were things pretty clearly labeled? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they were. How much money do you have left? Uh, 344. Okay, okay, you got a good bit. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> this is Gideon we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me know what you're getting. She clinks down two bottles, and one of them is a Cure Light Wounds potion, mm-hmm. and the other is a Hide from Animals potion. Mm, very clever. And she clinks those down and says, hello, uh, did you make these yourself? I did, I did, and they work really well. Okay. Then yes, I will go ahead and take these. And she shoots a quick glance to Tonru because I assume the shop is pretty small so she could have heard what Tonru was saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's quite small. Okay. So she shoots a quick glance to Tonru and then looks back to Nettle with a smile, like a really kind of cheesy, friendly smile. <laughs> uh-huh. And says, so Nettle, um, do you get a lot of business out here? Mostly Ari and Aelin. Yeah, I uh, I make stuff here, and then they sell it in Kodan, which is how I make most of the money, yeah. And then they bring back, like, birds and butterflies, which is totally my jam, as you can tell. Uh, Ingrid buys some stuff. Uh, you saw Ingrid. Ingrid was in here a second ago, and, uh, yeah, most of it's not local, except for healing. You know, the mortician thing. I mean, people do die, so. Hmm. That's great that you're able to drum up so much business, especially being in a more remote part of town. Well, what's your best seller here? Cure night wounds, honestly. I mean, people get hurt working in the fields and, you know, basic stuff. Nettle has actually started looking kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> and <laughs> Nettle, Nettle actually pulls out a little sign from under her thing and goes, whoop, it looks like it's lunchtime. <laughs> <laughs> At like six in the morning. <laughs> it is like early ass morning. So subtle. <laughs> I gotta go eat some food, you know, how we do. Anyway, goodbye. And uh, sort of walks over towards the door and opens it. Thanks for coming. Thank you. <laughs> Gideon's going to say, do I, I need to pay for these or... Oh, yeah, uh, yep, 100 gold, uh, thank you. Okay, she clinks down the money, and I assume they get ushered out pretty quickly. Yep, you get ushered out, she salutes you guys as you leave, which seems like a weird move. <laughs> seems, it seems, <laughs> seems like she was trying to figure out how to say goodbye, and she just panicked. <laughs> just did the first thing that came to mind. And, uh, yeah, that's how that goes. So Gideon turns to Tonrir and says, I, I know I'm not the best at this, but that was strange, right? <laughs> Tonrir nods. There's an aversion to it everywhere about the wolves. Hmm. Seems interesting that there's a taxidermy for everything else, but makes me wonder. But wondering is all that I can do at the moment. Yes. Perhaps we should see what the other two were doing. (laughs) I suppose it wouldn't hurt to go check out where that scream came from. Like 30 minutes later. <laughs> so some time has passed. You guys have all gotten into some shenanigans. Where, where do you think you guys meet back up? I think in the 
time since then, Riva has been just wandering down the main road of town, window shopping, not really engaging with anyone. <laughs> you, I think you guys find Riva outside of Smudge's general store and displayed in the window, you guys see a glittering blue beetle in the center of what looks like sticky amber. And there's a sign next to it that reads, how many licks does it take to get to the center of this crystal with a bug in it? Oh, God. <laughs> Find out, and I'll give you 20 gold for the undamaged bug. <laughs> and then in parentheses, it says, it is expensive. Please do not eat it. <laughs> Riva is fascinated by this sign. <laughs> so that's where you guys find Riva. So we find Riva about to eat a bug. <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, is Iria there? Do you guys all assemble? I think Iria probably went ahead of Riva once Riva got cap- captivated by this sign and probably met up with Tonrir and Gideon a little bit sooner. Okay, so you and Tonrir and Gideon are walking towards Riva. What do you tell them? Nothing. No, I'm <laughs> I did. It's fine. It'll be a surprise. <laughs> no, um, Iria tells Tonrir and Gideon, like she catches up to them and is like, oh, you won't believe what kind of trouble we've gotten into. Not we. I, I, I was just along for the ride, and I didn't know what was happening, and then it happened, and I had, like, so it's not my fault, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> and Gideon says, we'll take a stab at it and guess that you were involved in that scream we heard. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Thanks for coming to see if we're okay. <laughs> <laughs> Our chaos friend, Riva opened up a wormhole in the blacksmith's room. And in an effort to make sure that we are not seen as like troublemakers, I helped and created some sound so it seemed real. So now the blacksmith thinks that there's some kind of wormhole in his blacksmithery and uh, is... A, <laughs> what? Is wormhole the right word? A tear in the fabric of space and time. There are some tentacles involved. <laughs> You guys actually see walking down the road, you see this man and he's under Ephra's arm and she's patting him and leading him into the meeting hall. And you can hear her saying, you know, there, there, it's going to be okay. (laughs) Yeah. So we traumatized the blacksmith. They're calling a town meeting for a thing that doesn't exist. And Riva is, I think, going to lick a blue beetle. (laughs) And that's where we're at now. Gideon looks a little bit exasperated. <laughs> Toner's blinking. Just just come with me. I, I, I can't explain it well with words. Have they been walking towards Riva during this conversation? Yeah, I think Iria's kind of rushing them towards Riva mm-hmm. and telling the story as they're walking. Riva looks up when she hears the sound of the other three approaching and Iria talking. And she says, oh, hey, guys. How casual like. Gideon looks at her and says, so are you going to eat that? <laughs> you know, yeah, I was thinking about it. I mean, 20 gold, hard to turn that down. <laughs> What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, you should you should definitely do it. I, I, I think it's a good idea. I'm curious how many licks. So are we going to eat this bug? Is that, <laughs> is that our next step? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have this man named Smudge come out so you can eat his bug. <laughs> Reva says, um, oh, by the way, Looks like we're having a town hall meeting. Because of tears in the reality? And tentacles? Oh, good. You're all caught up. 
<laughs> it's a very accusatory glance at this point. She steps in closer so that she can talk quietly and not be overheard by people passing by and says, look, this seems extreme, but I had to do something because no one in this town is going to talk about, like, they weren't giving us anything. So had to put the fear of tentacle monsters into them. <laughs> and Tentacle monsters. And now they're going to be more cooperative. So, you know, ready or not, you guys see that you have called a town meeting. And it took a little while to get everyone in from what they're doing because there's people trickling in from the fields and from various buildings. But eventually you guys see that most of the village has crammed into that little building. About 85 people, if you were to count. Do we see the person that was covered in head to toe? Yes, Ingrid. You do see Ingrid go in as well. Do you guys head into that building? Uh, yeah, Iria does. Tonra's going to filter in toward the back and just okay. watch. All right. Riva nudges Gideon on the way in and says, uh, you still got that dog whistle? <laughs> yes. Well, everyone's in one place, so... And then she continues on into the meeting hall. <laughs> this is very, very clever. Okay, so I think the blacksmith actually ushers you, Riva, like up onto the stage. Uh, there's like a little raised platform for speaking. It's, it's a really cool looking meeting hall. It's a modest building with oak paneling and the windows are open. And there's this huge wooden table that is lined with comfortable looking chairs and now a ton of people. And there's a big hearth and... You guys see pretty much everybody, including older folks and children who are like climbing tables and shrieking. Like you guys get the vibe that Sosalia is really into letting kids learn by doing stuff because they're doing a lot of stuff in here. It's getting really loud and chaotic. And right in front of you, Reva, you see Ephra. Ephra is sitting up front, both her kids in her lap, and she's got an iron grip on Ivan, who looks ready to rob literally everybody in this room, <laughs> and an easier grip on Ivan's little sister, whose bangs are on fire. But you do not see her wife anywhere. Now, the hearth is lit, and you are invited to stand before it and explain the great threat that plagues Sosalia. <laughs> Take it away, Riva. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> While Riva is standing up there, kind of being uncomfortable, Gideon has scooted next to Tonrir towards the back and has nudged him and kind of made a head gesture towards where uh, Ingrid is. Mm -hmm. And yeah, go ahead. Take it away, Riva. <laughs> <laughs> where is Iria during all this? I think Iria is kind of like off to the side. All right. Take it away, Riva. Riva walks up in front of everybody and clears her throat and starts sort of pacing back and forth. And she says with a very serious expression on her face, citizens of Sosalia. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for taking the time out of your day to attend this meeting. I'm afraid I'm the bearer of terrible news. I must inform you that your town is in grave danger. My colleagues and I have traced a weakness in the barrier between the shadow plane and this world to here, and it won't hold for much longer. And when it breaks, unspeakable horrors will descend upon us all. 
A child screams. A child screams very loudly. <laughs> Iria's eyes are wide again. And then every other next to that child, child screams, and pretty soon the whole building of children is screaming. Oh, no. As this speech is going on, Gideon has taken the whistle out, but is just holding it and watching Riva. <laughs> and smiling. <laughs> Riva holds up both of her hands, and she says, we're here to help. We want to help you, but we need you to help us help you. <laughs> Gideon, you see that she's begun to grasp at straws, and Gideon is just kind of like twirling the whistle around on her finger idly. Iria's <laughs> eyes go from like wide and scared to confused. <laughs> and then, Riva, <laughs> 85 people look at you. The children screaming, parents <laughs> holding their screaming children. Oh, my God. The blacksmith is weeping. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Riva feels a little bit bad. <laughs> and she says, all we need is information. Ephra gives you this look. Ephra gives you this look where you are 100% sure in this moment she does not believe a word of your fucking bullshit. <laughs> and Ephra stands up and gets ready to shut this whole shit down. And as soon as she stands up, Gideon blows the whistle. 